0: he left without really understanding that his empathy could heal. And that is one of my main messages Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. that to the empath, this book is really dedicated to him, but to all the empaths out there because we really matter. Uh, And there's, you know, it's 15 to 20% of the population is empathic. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of people. You're talking Mm -hmm. about one and a half billion people in the world so you're not alone if Mm. you feel these feelings of overwhelm and i'm not fitting anywhere that is not true there is a a place for you because there's so much need
1: welcome to and then everything changed a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and decisions that define us i'm your host ronit plank Welcome to the final episode of And Then Everything Changed for 2021. My guest is Laura Formentini. She's an activist, a writer, and a nonprofit photographer, and she lost her son to suicide when he was 21. I wanted to bring you her story as the year nears its end because it is one of loss and it's also one of resilience and understanding. I think that is what And Then Everything Changed podcast is about. Thank you, thank you for an excellent two years. Today my guest is Laura Formentini. She's an author, nonprofit photographer, and activist who believes that where there is love, there is always life. Her first book, 21 Olive Trees, A Mother's Walk Through the Grief of Suicide to Hope and Healing, will be out shortly. Welcome, Laura.
0: Hi, thank you, Ronit, for having me.
1: I'm so glad that you're here and you have done so many things in your life that it's almost difficult to figure out where to start. But there's a couple of really important uh, parts of your life that I think we want to cover in this in this conversation. But let's talk about your, your book first to begin with and then we'll go back a little bit in time. So obviously your book deals with a mother's loss and I'm wondering when you knew that you wanted to write a book about your experience. Sure. Um, Well, um,
0: on one of my African journeys, um, I was in Ethiopia. I was where I was collecting stories of transformation for one of my books. I received the news that my son had taken his life um, on the other side of the planet and it happened here in the States. I received a call from his brother, and his name was Blaze, and he was this incredibly sweet, uh, generous, and ultra-sensitive soul, the empath, Mm -hmm. and I am one too. We planned to work together in the nonprofit field. Um, In fact, I would uh, fundraise, and we would tell stories through the documentaries that he would create. And so it seemed like we both found our passions and shared sort of like the same emotions. After I received the call that once again would change my life, I'll never forget how this Ethiopian stranger named Asefa uh, held my hand that day. Um, he was a friend of my, uh, he was a friend of a friend down there mm-hmm. in Ethiopia. And he didn't let go of my hand until it was time for me to board the plane uh, to go back to the United States and bury my son. Mm-hmm. And every few minutes, he asked me in his beautiful um, Amharic language, which is the official language of, of Ethiopia, Are you okay? Are you okay, sister? And obviously, I was completely distraught. I was. Well, I was completely distraught thinking about how I would manage on this desperately long trip back because I I was in the rural Ethiopia. I had to fly from there to Addis Ababa, to Dublin, Mm -hmm. Ireland, to Boston. Then I got stranded in Boston and then eventually the final destination was Denver so while i was completely distraught and you know thinking about all this stuff without going crazy his presence immediately became my lifeline and um Asefa's wife was expecting their third baby and she was doing a matter of days and uh, he met me as I, I shivered and shook and cried not knowing what to do how to handle me and you know mm-hmm. he had no idea So I'll never stop thanking him for being with me that day because I would have never made it without him and his precious presence. Mm -hmm. And when I asked him why he took such good care of me when he didn't even know me, he answered, I didn't do anything special, Laura, it was my human responsibility. And that's really what motivated me to write my book, 21 Olive Trees. A Mother's Walk Through the Grief of Suicide to Hope and Healing because I feel that I have a human responsibility, just like a seifa, um, to lift up as many people as possible with the fables in the book. Uh, This is a book of fables of poems and notes that I wrote to him to blaze just about five or six weeks after his passing. And these are stories coming from my own real experience of grief that um, i hope will you will give people something to hold on during their darkness just like a safe i held my hand that day mm-hmm. so that they can glow once again or maybe even find the wisdom uh, needed to glow even brighter i would mm-hmm. have never made it without him and i think that during these moments of utter darkness uh people even even if they think that they're not doing anything special it was a small uh, act of kindness but for me it meant everything and it really Mm -hmm. propelled me to write this book
1: Mm -hmm. and your son the son that is still living Is he older or younger than Blaze?
0: He is older, so Mm -hmm. he is. Yes, Blaze was 21 and that's why I picked that. Yes, I figured I
1: I just made that connection, connection. right? Which is lovely. Um, so you know, let's go back a little bit before. Before he was grown, before the brothers uh, were grown, did, did you ever worry? I mean, we all worry as, as parents, but did you have any particular worries about Blaze?
0: Blaze was a lot like me in the sense that he was the highly sensitive person, the HSP, the empath. And so um, I didn't really worry. Um, as long as he was in the, the right environment because for us as empaths it's very important to be in uh, because we we tend to absorb energies the good the bad we don't know where our boundaries end and where the other person start mm-hmm. and so I didn't really worry as long as he was in the right um, in the right environment but unfortunately as he as he as he was growing, um, he decided to get into acting and he decided to go into modeling and he was in Los Angeles for a while and it really did change him. That changed him negatively. And so he said, no, I'm going to, um, he decided to switch from the modeling and acting to the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but that's something that really did change him and he, wasn't really never able to go back to the way he was previously. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and so... Um, mm-hmm.
1: When you say changing, do you mean, um, can you can you ex- expand on that a little bit? I, I find myself wanting to fill in the blanks because I feel like I understand what you mean, but that wouldn't be, like, it's better for me to ask you the ways that you felt he was changing.
0: Yeah, he... Um, He was changing in a way where he would just retreat into his own thoughts more and he just didn't want to go out and explore the world. Um, He just stopped talking to started. uh, He stopped talking to his friends. He wasn't he wouldn't pick up the phone as often and as you know, as as he used to. Uh, He just wasn't engaged. Any, uh, as much and um, I think it was because I remember him saying to me what is the point of all this materialism I remember him saying that to me very often mm-hmm. and he wasn't attached to anything material he was very like for instance the acting he was in he was a really good actor and he also went to the Groundlings, I believe you mm. went to the Groundlings, yes. right? Yeah. Yes,
1: I did some training there. That's yeah, funny. He did yeah. some
0: improv, but mainly he was with uh, another really prominent school in, in LA. And um, he was in it for the uh, for the craft, mm-hmm. but not for the fame, not for the money. Any, um, and it really changed him. And he said, wow, I don't fit in this world. Mm-hmm. Whereas And I kept saying, you are an empath just like me and empathy can heal. And that's, you know, once you really learn, I kept telling him, once you learn how to establish those boundaries and and then you're able to put yourself out there in the world, just like I've done, and it can heal because we're compassionate, we're creative, we care, Mm -hmm. Um, but he left he left without really understanding that his empathy could heal. And that is one of my main messages. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. th- that the to the empath, this book is really dedicated to him. But to all the empaths out there. Because we really matter. Uh, and there's, you know, it's 15 to 20% of the population is empathic. That's mm-hmm. a lot of people. You're talking mm-hmm. about one and a half billion people in the world so you're not alone if you mm. feel these feelings of overwhelm and i'm not fitting anywhere that is not true there is a sp- a place for you because there's so much need so mm-hmm. many people are in need and so many animals so many uh, the environment there's so much need out there
1: yes yes and i think it's empathy is and an empathic those terms are used a lot in our culture these days which is great but you're you're talking about that specific characteristic of people who have that as a primary quality is that what you mean because for anyone who's listening it's that uh you know we all maybe strive as we grow in resilience and understanding about ourselves and vulnerability to have empathy for people in ourselves but i think what you're you want to distinguish it as an actual quality in certain people
0: right it's uh it's something that i've always experienced for instance and something that he always experienced ever since i was little um i was just immediately able to understand the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions of the person with me mm-hmm. and it would be it's it can be really difficult because sometimes say if the person is actually physically sick, you become physically sick. like it's mm-hmm. incredible you absorb. Mm-hmm. and so um, but that's that' at the same time it's a characteristic that, once we are able to detach from the other person's feelings and emotions and and thoughts, then we can really put that compassion and that uh, that desire to help uh, to work mm-hmm. in the world in a major way, in a mm-hmm. major way because a lot of the people who work in the nonprofit field
1: are empaths. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, did you? Did you turn to any particular person or organization or group after you lost Blaze?
0: No, you know, it's something that works for many people. It, You know, actually, I'll take it back. I did go two or three times to a therapist, but it didn't work for me. What really, really, really worked for me was writing.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: uh, in fact, um, it's been... It's extremely cathartic for me to write, and I think that um, again, it's not for everybody. Whatever works for you, that's great. For me, it's writing, and I've been journaling ever since I was really young. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I've turned, you know, all that pain because in the beginning it was uncontrollable, it's unbearable, and so I turned that pain into writing. Mm -hmm. And that uh, I would say that writing has um, really helped me to, I would say, yes, let out all the emotions, but it's also taught me so much about myself. It's been an enormous learning curve, what I'm capable of if I focus my energy on positive thinking and why it's so important to look at things from a higher perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I so it was an attempt to let out this unbearable pain and even if I talked to friends or a therapist it just didn't work for me Mm -hmm. so writing with the writing I discovered this inner strength and wisdom and and an ability to move forward in a positive way so this book really traces my path from the initial uncontrollable pain to all the setbacks because I had so many setbacks uh, uh, with, the, with the bridging the, the physical aspect of him to the spiritual aspect of him, hmm. um, to eventually hope and healing, which continues to this day. I still obviously have days that are not uh, the best, but um, what has really helped me also is meditation. So I mm-hmm. do meditation in the morning, meditation at night, and I follow um, Deepak Chopra's um, meditation um, uh, examples and it really helps me to sort of like detach um, from reality in a way where I feel I'm still and I look at reality as it's also so, sort of like a movie that is happening in front of me and it's something that it's what meditation does
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: so it's been really helpful to write and to meditate. And, um, and it's beautiful because I, I don't feel like he's ever left, really. Mm. I feel like his presence. I feel his spirit. And um, one thing that has helped me a lot is the transformational stories of the many people um, that I've encountered thanks to my work, who have come out of tremendous, difficult cir- circumstances. They've beaten all odds mm-hmm. uh, because they're focused on positive thinking. And it's mm-hmm. it's really up to us to transform anything dark into something beautiful. And that was really my, my goal with this book, um, mm-hmm. to show that it's in your power not to give into your pain, but to... Create something beautiful out of the circumstance that you're in.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, these stories. When when did you start actively seeking them out?
0: Uh, I had started writing about my experience in um, my most amazing experience in Africa. Besides the meeting with Asafa in Ethiopia, was uh, when I met. Um, the founder of this orphanage right outside of Nairobi in Kenya.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I had a friend down there who knew that I was into um, fundraising and helping, and I was into nonprofit photography. And he said, "Would you like to take a trip up to uh, Merciful Redeemer's Children Home, children's home?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Definitely." So. When I went up there, I saw I met with the founder, Mama John, and with all the kids. So mm-hmm. it's 120 children, and um, that she rescued from the slums of Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And the slums of Nairobi apparently are, are the biggest in Africa.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're talking about um, maybe a million and a half people, mm-hmm. and she was very empathic, and she started adopting one. And then after a month, she adopted another one, and then eventually she knew that she had to create a home, because the the first kids she adopted, but she, uh, they all came into her private home, and it was too small. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so she was able to fundraise and and create this home where she uh, hosted all these kids, um, but. The so when I was there, yes, I fundraised to renovate the dorms and the kitchen and and the the outdoor space. But I also collected the autobiographies of the kids because I really wanted to uh, bring that to the attention here in the so-called first world. Mm -hmm. on how many, many, many people out there live, unfortunately, in disastrous conditions. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just that, it was also to show that these kids really had nothing that was material and they were all smiling and uh, it's just the sense of community and love that I saw that was amazing. Mm -hmm. I had to recount it and so, Um, that's really why I started, I wrote that book and that's called that the title for that book is coming home. And -hmm. that will be out also, uh, late 2022. Okay. And there's another book that I was supposed to start this year, but unfortunately because of COVID everything went back to lockdown. Mm -hmm. It's a book on the positive, um, impact of child sponsorship. So I will be interviewing the adults who were previously sponsored as children to really recap oh, yes yes yeah, so to recap their life before during and after sponsorship because I've been sponsoring more than 40 kids over 18 years and it's been an amazing experience. It's something. Well, so I would awesome.
1: imagine. So they're they're grown up. Some of those, and and do they have have they done okay? Have they gone on to do like lives of their own with pa- empowerment? Sure. Yes. Some wow. some, of, some of
0: them have emigrated to the country of you know of their choice. They were able to mm-hmm. you know get a visa, or um, but it's it's such an amazing experience, and I think that even for people who are grieving, like people who are going through what I went through or people who are, uh, say, even maybe older and don't want to travel. Sponsoring is a wonderful way to really help out the child, help out their community, mm-hmm. and also to get to know their country and uh, mm-hmm. how they live and how what they cook and what their home is made of. And, and it's, it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful.
1: And it sounds like this particular agency, this organization, is actively helping the children in in her care. It's not. It's it's a pretty reputable place.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's called Plan International, mm-hmm. and they're based out of Rhode Island. So mm-hmm. we were we're we're they're partnering with me to write this specific book called Sponsored, but um, we will have to wait until because I will be interviewing the adults. Who were previously sponsored in bangladesh india and nepal hmm. but unfortunately they're back in total lockdown so we mm-hmm. we, yes. we can't do much at this point. well you have
1: your hands full anyway you've got a couple of books coming out i mean you're you're really busy uh so so tell me um you know what do you think is this idea i, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of turning the dark into light I'm also curious about how you can also hold on to the difficulties that you've experienced, for example, you or or the acknowledge the pain and still try to create light or I could say it, I could also say it differently, which is creating light while acknowledging and honoring the dark. So is that something, is that a stage you had to go through as well or did you instantly know how to do this conversion?
0: No, well, experiencing the loss of your son is a completely different thing. I mean, the the grieving of a mother is there's nothing like it. It's just mm-hmm. it, the most painful thing that you can go through. Mm-hmm. But um, what I what I have learned throughout the experience of working abroad and with non with nonprofits is that uh, there's something called love in action, um, and um, Loving action, I believe, really does heal um, because it's um, it's something that um, we can all practice. We don't have to do anything that is grandiose, but um, there are okay. So, for instance, if you're losing a child, loving action does heal. First of all, love yourself after the loss. Be gentle mm-hmm. and kind and caring towards yourself. Then maybe write about your feelings. Uh, let them sit there, find your voice. And then you realize that you live in your own microcosm Mm -hmm. that is in an Mm -hmm. infinite macrocosm of possibilities. Okay. And so Mm -hmm. there are so many in need of your help out there. So many are in your same situation. Um, but so many live their lives in some of the worst conditions. And if you're able Mm -hmm. to take tiny steps towards bringing out all that love that you have for your child that is no longer there and focus, focus that love on a cause, another child, activism, writing. It mm-hmm. will transform you because what, I, what, I've, what I've learned is that we are meant to transform. We are meant to evolve. Like Blaze has transformed, but I'm also mm-hmm. transforming. I'm also mm-hmm. evolving. You are meant to let that love flow and not to let it stagnate. And so mm-hmm. that's what I call loving action. It's not just saying, I love. It's putting that love into action. Do something about it. And so writing this book for me was, it was my way of putting that love into action. Um, mm-hmm. Mama John opened, created an, orf- an orphanage. Uh, other people, you know, I've met people who have opened animal sanctuaries that despite COVID they keep going and that's loving action that's not giving up that's Mm -hmm. believing in the positive believing that you you matter and that you can do it because these people have done it in their circumstances and conditions you can do it Mm -hmm. as well.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's sort of a touchstone or sort of a way to see that there's more. There's more than just the pain. Did did your I wanna ask you before we circle back again to the book and, and how to find you, did how is your son, your surviving son, how does he do and and has he found a way, as much as you can illuminate, you know, not being him yourself, how is he doing himself with the loss of his brother?
0: He is um He's coping differently um, by um, working. He works a lot, but um, he's also very creative. He's, he's a musician as well. Um, so he pours, he sort of channels that pain into, into what he loves. Um, but we don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I honor that because not everybody's the same. I yeah. am more... I prefer talking about it and, and so, so that it just doesn't sit there and again, I don't want it to let it stagnate, but you know, we are all coping differently. He's doing pretty well, he has, uh, he's in a wonderful relationship and so I'm not worried, he definitely loved his brother, but he's, he's very different, he has a totally different mm-hmm. energy, mm-hmm. more the scientific mind. Uh, he's an engineer and so it's very different. But Mm -hmm. he's, he's overall doing well and it might take years, you know, might take a long time. Yeah.
1: Do you, do you ever talk to or have any kind of support or do people reach out to you, other mothers who have lost children or do you ever, do you have friends you've met because of your loss? Um
0: i do receive uh emails yes but i um i am planning on creating workshops and seminars Mm
1: -hmm. on
0: how to creatively um get over uh the the stage of grief Mm -hmm. and i'm also planning on creating a 21 olive trees um healing center at some point Mm -hmm. um where the idea is to have twenty-one deep, holistic modalities where people can come and 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 heal and mm-hmm. and talk and heal and it can it's it's something that I would have wanted to do this year, but because of the pandemic, it there was a lot of things have been post postponed. But it's in the works.
1: And you know, I I, I have a question, and I don't know. Forgive me if this is not okay to ask, but do you think there's a difference for for mothers who have lost children from illness and those who have lost children through, um, you know, dying by suicide? I had a mom recently on the on the show, Marco Fawkes, who lost her son about the same age as your son to a, a battle with cancer. A little bit of remission, and then it came back, and she lost him, and she created an organization and a network and 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 then you've lost your son because he died by suicide and and I wonder do you feel like there there's a notable difference or something you'd want to talk about that that is a a little different feeling of pain in that or do you think pain is pain
0: that's a good question um I think that Pain is pain, yes, and um, but the, the loss. Okay, so the loss of with uh, the loss of uh, with suicide. The the difference is that in the beginning, especially, you keep asking yourself, "I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done better. Better. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I do wrong? Because okay, dying from uh, terminal illness." there's only so much you can do, but you you try to do your best, okay? Suicide is different. But but then I've come to the realization that we are, we all, especially someone who dies by suicide, they decide to do it. They decide to do it. So um, it's not something that, uh, yes, it can be prevented, but at the same time, um, a lot of people just don't want to be here anymore because of the, you know, the harshness of of the world, and um, and it's it's difficult to to prevent it sometimes. But going back to the the pain, pain is pain. Yeah, pain is pain for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think there's much difference. Um, but it, it, there's a wonderful quote by uh, from Khalil uh, Gibran. He's mm-hmm. from Lebanon, and he said, "Your children are not your children; they are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself." And I love that because I feel mm-hmm. that I feel that we all have our our own soul, and in the end, we each each one of us has. We all have our our own journey, and I kind of feel like it's almost like he just didn't want to be here anymore. It was too much. And so I honor his choice. And that's something that has really um, made me feel like I did everything that I could. It was, it was your choice and I honor
1: your choice. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for, for being willing to talk about that and you know, just explore that with me. Yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss, Laura. Thank you, Ronit. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a journey,
0: but um, I also feel that he's helping me to. It's almost, he's almost acting as my muse right now to bring <laughs> healing transformation into the world. That's mm-hmm. I feel like we're st- we're still
1: working together, him and I. <laughs> yeah. So so can you, in this last moment or two, please talk about where people will be able to find the book and anything else about the book or you and links, anything at all, this is your time to just share that.
0: The book will be released on January 11th of next year, of 2022. But you can uh, receive your advanced reader copy. Um, that's on my website and that's uh, lauraformantini.com. L-A-U-R-A-F-O-R-M-E-N-T-I-N-I dot I'm also on Instagram at author Laura Formentini. And um, it will be available on Amazon. Um, but we're also distributing the audiobook as well. So um, it will be, they will, both the audiobooks, audiobook and the book will be available on amazon on the 11th of january
1: great great thank you so much thank you and i'll link to everything in the show notes and on the website too i'm so happy that we connected and i'm eager to read the book and to learn from what you've what you've explored and learned yourself and i really hope you're able to open that center that support center that you envision
0: thank you it was an honor to be on your show i love your show love it thank you thank you
1: Thank you for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode, photos, and other episodes you might like, please visit ATECpodcast.com. You can connect with me and learn more about episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram also. Just search for my name, Ronit Plank, R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K, and you will find all the updates. If you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe and also rate and review so other people can find it. Thank you so much for listening.